Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Jennifer Brick. Some of your videos have gotten hundreds of thousands of views. And one video, at least one video in particular, (laughs) has gotten way over a million views. The title, Coworkers Are Not Your Friends. Yes. (laughs) This topic clearly touches a nerve uh, for me too, because when you're a professional, you often end up spending more time with your coworkers than you do with your family and certainly with your non-work friends. So it's natural for them to become your friends. Why do you disagree, Jennifer? Yeah. So I think like, especially for early career professionals, like we're used to making friends at school. We're used to making friends in our extracurriculars. We're used to making friends in our part-time jobs. And so when we transition into the work world, that is something that is very natural. And then we pair it with the normalization of social networks within organizations. You know, companies saying, we're like a family here. There is the after work team building events. There's the lunches. They're really encouraging you to be there all of the time and for your life to center on work because it's benefiting the company. And I don't think that that's inherently an awful thing. I don't think that you should never, ever be friends with your coworkers. Like some of my best friends are people (laughs) that I've worked with. So take it for what it is. But I think that there's, as a general rule, most of the people that you work with are circumstantial relationships. When you leave that company, there may be friends that you maintain and become lifelong friends. But at the end of the day, most of those people are going to fade away. And some of them are going to fade away quite quickly. And I think the reason why that video in particular really resonated with people is that coworkers often become your competition. So even if you don't feel like you're in competition with your colleague, you feel like they're your friend, there's, you know, there's enough room for all of us to be successful. And that's a true statement. But not everyone feels that way. 
And so I think a lot of people, unfortunately, learn the hard way that coworkers can be competition, or at least think that you're a competition, and that those friendships might end up going really sideways. And there's a lot of hurt that can end up happening. So it's not that we can never ever be friends with coworkers. It's just that we need to appreciate the relationships and the power dynamics that are at place in the corporate space so that we can stage ourselves for success. Because the last thing that you want to be doing at work is oversharing something to someone that you think is a friend only to become the buzz in the office about it. That is not the situation that you want to be in. It is not nice to deal with and it's much easier to avoid than it is to recover. A hundred percent. If you had to pick a few of your favorite videos and career advice to offer our college students who are gearing up for graduation in 2023 before they enter the workforce, what would you want them to know, Jennifer, to help them start their careers on the right foot? Yeah. So I think the biggest one, and this is my favorite one, and I think, I think that they're always underrated on my channel. My videos about workplace politics and getting comfortable with workplace politics is really important. And I know, especially for a lot of young women, it's like, well, politics is dirty. Politics is bad. I don't want to peddle in politics. I'm not going to play that game. But if you're not playing the game, you're losing the game. You just admit defeat. And the thing is, is that politics get a bad rap because we do see some dirty politics. We see undermining. We see idea thievery. Like we see a lot of nasty things. We see the awful gossip, right? But politics isn't always bad. Ultimately, politics is about building relationships and influence in the organization. And this can be done organically, it can be done authentically, and it can be done positively as long as you know how to approach it. So I want people to get comfortable with the fact that politics are part of our human interaction. And all that you're trying to do is optimize those interactions to create a positive impact for you, for your coworkers, and for your company. So what example could you offer maybe from your own career experience or from something you observed that you think is a way that a young person could be politically astute without it feeling icky? Yeah. So I think that there's a couple of ways. So I think first and foremost understand that the quality and sentiment in your relationships can make your life a lot easier and can make the lives of the people around you a lot easier. And so just like with my customers, you know, how do I make you look good? How can I help the people around me? How can I add value? And that value, this is the thing that I hear from young, like early career professionals all the time. I don't have any value. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is my first job. Like, I don't know what, how am I supposed to going up to someone and asking that when you don't know something, going and asking a question to someone that you admire, that you know, has the answer. That's a value to them. Yes, you're getting help and you're getting the answer and they're helping you, but you're acknowledging and validating them at the same time. You're providing value. You are increasing their confidence and you're helping them establish themselves in their career. And this is one of the things that like, and it's definitely a story. And I know it's a story for a lot of women of like, I'm not going to ask for help. Like, I don't need help. I don't want to bother anyone. That used to be me. It's still me sometimes. Yeah, because you, (laughs) at least for me, I felt like it would be admitting that I wasn't able to do the job. And so instead, I felt I had to fake it. Yep. I'm going to fake it until I make it. 
Exactly. And then you end up, you know, not knowing what you know, like, and maybe you figured it out correctly. Chances are you figured it out correctly. Like, you know, I'm sure, Andrew, I know you are very intelligent. I know the listeners of your podcast are very intelligent. So I'm sure that like there's high accuracy, but you know, there's a lot of time that can be saved. You can be building relationships along the way. And then it can also just be, you know, you're not going to question yourself later on down the road. And I think when we default to faking it to make it, we feel like frauds when we get there. Like, I think that's such a creator of imposter syndrome is like, I'm faking it, I'm faking it, I'm faking it. But when that's the inner story, that inner story becomes really, really sticky. So you successfully do it and you are successful and you know the things and you're great at your job, but it generates a lot of self-doubt later on. So I think there's huge advantages for us to like swallow swallow our pride and be like, you know, I don't know what I don't know. But also early in your career, you're not supposed to know. Yeah, Like we we put so much pressure on ourselves, but like, it's like, no, you are not supposed to know anything right now. Now is the time for asking all of the questions, all of the questions, because not only do you get the answers, but again, you, and it's such a great opportunity to reach out to the people around you, build relationships with your boss, build relationships with your coworkers. One of the best things that happened to me when I worked at Exact Target was when I was onboarding, I was fully remote. And I just didn't know who to ask questions to. Like I was part of a bigger team, but I was the only one in custom enablement at the time because like I was a new function. And my manager set me up on a rotation and he was like, okay, with the solutions architects, the solution architects in our team, what you'll do is we'll pick one a week that you're going to go to with all of your questions. So I kept my list of questions and I would ping them at the end of the day. We would set up a meeting at the end of the week and just talk through everything. And like the questions could be totally banal. Sometimes the questions were really good, (laughs) but it gave me an opportunity and it gave me a reason to reach out to those people that I wouldn't have been reaching out to at that stage of onboarding that, and those relationships, a lot of those solutions architects, I didn't end up working with on a lot of projects, but they ended up becoming resources that when I was creating more technical training, I was able to go to for validation and I was able to position them and to give them, you know, more visibility and they were able to help me. So there was these win-wins were created. So I think this is something that you can even when you are new to your job, new in your career, have that conversation with your manager and be like, Hey, like, I heard this tip to ask for meetings with the team. Would that be something that we can coordinate? Because usually it's like 30 minutes a week. It's not going to be a huge time commitment, but it gives you a touch point and it gives you answers and it gives you relationships. And this is the other thing when you're coming into a new job. Andrew, how many times did you feel like, oh, no one, everyone knows each other. I just don't know anyone. No one wants to know me, but people want to know you too. They sure do. And actually, what I came to realize later in my career is that if you do take Jennifer's advice and ask questions, maybe even set up weekly check-ins with different team members to ask them questions, you actually come out looking smarter Mm -hmm. because you are asking questions and surfacing what you don't know. And the unspoken assumption then is she understands all the other stuff. Because she's willing and self-confident enough to come forward saying, I don't understand this. Yes. Oh, and this totally goes back to like the thing that I learned in the training world. And I learned this really, really quickly. If no one had questions, no one knew what was happening. Everyone was completely lost because you have to have like a certain level of knowledge in order to know what your questions are. So 
being able to ask questions is validating that you are learning and then it's validating your actual learnings and filling the gaps. So that was something if I have it's still to this day, if I have a session, I always leave if I run an online workshop, they're usually like 60, 90 minutes, I will leave 60, 90 minutes for Q&A at the end. Because if I did my job well, I'm gonna have questions to fill up that entire time period. If I didn't do my job well, I'm gonna hear crickets at the end. Because <laughs> they don't understand enough yeah. Yeah. to be able to ask a question. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, okay, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I have no idea, but I'm not gonna call because here's the thing, and this goes back to the confidence that you mentioned. If I don't know anything, I feel like I'm going to expose myself if I ask a question as not knowing anything and being the stupid person in the room. Yes. Thinking that, well, maybe they already answered that question. And if I ask it now, it's going to seem like I was spacing out in the middle of the present. And that may be the case, my friends. It happens to all of us. But the thing is, if most of your questions are not like that, you're going to come out looking smarter and becoming smarter as a result. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.